believe you're the savior of our soul. We believe you are God and in control. Welcome to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Bram, a ministry of Worship Generation Church located in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please visit us at www.worshipgeneration.com. We believe in the power of the gospel. We believe you can transform every soul. We believe you're the Savior. Now let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible. Let the nations be glad, all his saints rejoice. And it became one of those religious conversations. And he just asked me, like, why are there so many different churches? And I was like, well, it's kind of hard to explain, but it's, it's church history, really. And, and, you know, it's like, and you can go down this rabbit hole you never come out of if you're trying to justify church history and the good things and bad things that people have done in Jesus' name. But if you just simply lift up Jesus and direct them to Jesus, then you're not, you're not going to get lost. You'll never get lost when you point people to Jesus, the Son of God, Savior of the world. And that's what people need right now is men's hearts are failing them, perplexity of nations, and great deception and delusion. We enter by the narrow gate. In verse 15, he said, beware of false prophets. The challenge with the narrow gate, so all our eyes on Jesus, our theology is very simple. It can grow and expand, but again, by the time someone's helping us go to the bathroom in our 90s, whatever, it's, it's, it's all just going to be Jesus. We're looking for Jesus to come. In fact, I have to say one more thing about this. I've, I just did a, a last rites this week as well. Where I prayed for someone stepping into eternity. My good friend uh, Mick Yarbrough called me and his mom was stepping into eternity. Francis Yarbrough. And I know Mrs. Yarbrough very well because Danny Yarbrough was my best friend growing up in Carlsbad. We got a lot of trouble. We got busted for shoplifting a couple times. The old Big Bear there on Elm Street, a couple other things, Safeway, you know. And old Mrs. Yarbrough had all these boys and... Uh, I have seen Mrs. Yarbrough in a long time, and I saw her on Monday in Escondido in her last few days. And I was able to just pray with her and pray over her. But you know what's so cool when you do that for someone who, who, who has faith? Is I did this for my father, and I'm like, hey, Jesus is coming, all right? Like, you're laying right there. You can't move. You can't change yourself. You're laying right there. I'm telling you right now. See him over my shoulder right here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where Jesus is coming. He's going to come right through here. You don't have to do anything. You know, he's coming. You're like waiting at the bus stop. He's coming. He's going to come for you like Elijah, like he came for Elijah with the chariot of fire. He's coming from another dimension. You sit right there, and he's coming for you. Do you understand? He's coming for you right here, because I've seen it. I've seen Jesus come for most heading camp, and I, I watched her response when Jesus came in the room. And she went right past me, right to that wall. Jesus came. He was there. Like when Paul heard Jesus speaking to him, everyone else just heard a noise. Like, I was in a room when Jesus came for Melissa heading camp, and I'm a spectator, but she got out of her deathbed out of a coma and got out of the bed and was going right there. So now I go to see people in their last rites. I go, hey, he's coming right here. So my father-in-law was dying a year ago it, over there at the assisted living. I'm like, hey, Bill, man, Jesus is coming. Oh, I'm like, yeah, he's coming. He's coming right here. And you just stay right there and you keep your eyes on Jesus. We're trusting in Jesus. Just looking unto Jesus, the author and finish our faith. Bill, can you do that? Uh. He wasn't talking to anybody his last few days. He was talking to me, his son-in-law. He was talking to me. He was talking to me. 
because I was the ambassador of Christ preparing him for the king's coming. Oh, it's a glorious thing to step into eternity with Jesus. That's the end game. Enter to the joy of your Lord. But the devil, the father of lies, wants to prevent that glory from happening. And thus, Jesus has to bring up unpleasant things. It was like Joe's song, when Joe was singing that song about, I've seen you defeat cancer, I've seen you defeat all this, and I have seen Jesus defeat all that. Donna, I thought of you defeating cancer, okay? I, I thought of different people, different things, and, you know, of course, I naturally think of people who didn't defeat cancer. I think of things that prayers weren't answered, right? When you pray, you get yes, no, or wait. And some people are raised up from their deathbed, and some people aren't. Some people are in prison, and they get beheaded. James, the apostle. Some people are in prison, and an angel lets them go. Peter, the apostle. And there are things that sometimes I just don't like to think about. To be honest, I don't like to think about cancer. <laughs> I don't. But uh, if I'm going to sing about it, I'm going to sing about victory over cancer in Jesus' name. So thank you, Joe. That's a powerful song, man. Because I've seen miracles. I have. We've seen miracles. I can sing that song. I'm going to get those words, too. It's going to take a couple of times, but I'll get it. There are people who misrepresent the way to heaven. And they are called right here false prophets. And we're warned about them. We're told to look out for false prophets. So often with Scripture, we get the positive and the negative. Behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4. Comparing the Babylonians to the person of faith like Daniel and Esther. Put off the old man, put on the new man. We get contrast. So Jesus here makes it so clear he's the way, the gate, the door. But there's, there's, there's a broad path that leads to destruction, and there are many false apostles and prophets to lead people down that road. So all you have to do is go to any major higher education devoid of Christ, and even those that claim Christ can be devoid of Christ. And there are people who think they're smarter than the God of the universe who's got a trillion galaxies called by name to confuse you, to stumble you, and to keep you in darkness. Always learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth, as the scripture says. And there are the blind leading the blind. And so much of pseudo higher education is just that. So it was once great seminaries in the Ivy League schools in the colonial era. We now have atheists who are the chaplains of those schools. It's madness. But the devil loves madness and insanity because he's the author of madness and insanity. There are many false ways. They are endless. If you want to be religious, there's plenty of false ways. If you want to have Jesus who's not God, you can have that Jesus. You want to have Jesus who's not really a flesh, you can have that Jesus. There are many false Jesuses. You can, you can shop for them online right now. But the Jesus of the Bible is the eternal Son of God by whom all things are made, for whom all things are made, and in whom all things are held together and consist. But there's Jesuses out there there's lots of churches in America that have Jesus who's not the Son of God. They have Jesus who never had a physical body. They have Jesus who didn't resurrect in their, in their theology. And they have a Jesus that's not the only way. And they increase in our time. But the Bible tells us that false apostles, false doctrines, and false teachings would increase in the last days. So it's unpleasant. As unpleasant 
have so many other things that are going on around us right now that are realities that affect our lives. It's unpleasant. I don't like false prophets and false teachers and false teachings. They churn my stomach. I don't like falsehood. You don't like falsehood. No one likes to be lied to. When someone says they're going to do this and then do that, like, like, no one likes that. That's why Jesus said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Anything other than this is it's not of the Lord. Funny thing about false prophets and false teachers and all these false ways, they never tell you they're the false prophet, the false teacher, and the false way. I would say from my life right now in 33 years, 34 years, it's science. I've yet to meet someone who ever said, hi, I'm the false prophet Jesus warned you of. You know what Matthew 7 says, beware? I'm the one to beware of. No, you have to discern them. You have to discern them. And how do you discern them? By their fruit. So whether it's religious false prophets or secular humanist false prophets, you have to discern them by the fruit. What is their views in the marketplace of thought? What do those views produce in humanity and in their perception of God or representing God? So again, thinking back to the Beirut bombing in 82 when the terrorists blew up all the Marines, it's like, I have to decide, is that the God of the Bible who's the God of love that would, you know, do that? Because my God of the Bible is Jesus who gave his life. He didn't take life, he gave it. See, that's a big difference with a lot of theologies. With militant Hindus right now killing Christians in India and taking their property and not allowing them to be at the, the, the community well and stuff like that. The militant, gnarly Hindus all over India. Their gods are angry gods and they kill people. And that is what they believe and that's what's taught. The Bible is God laid down his life for us, and we're to lay down our life for one another. So if someone says, I represent Jesus, and they take life, that's not what the Bible teaches. So you can't attach that to Jesus. That's what someone's doing in their own buffet of religion in their mind. But that's not what the Bible teaches. Let God be true and every man a liar. False prophets are real. They never tell you who they are. You have to discern them. You have to recognize them. And you have, to look, you have to see their fruit. It's not like we have to be fruit inspectors. Like, oh, I'm going to look for... Listen, you can look at a fruit tree and you can tell if it's got good fruit or bad fruit. My dad and Vista had all those fruit trees that were so awesome back in the 80s. The plum tree, the white peach, the apricot, all these trees. And, but he had an apple tree that was junk. You would never eat those apples. Like, they're bad apples. Literally, like, bad apples. But man, his white, his, white, his white peaches were the best ever. I've never had white peaches that good. You know, fruit tree, like, it's a good fruit tree, it's a bad fruit tree. You don't buy a fruit. Poisonous berries or wild blackberries. You can, you can just, you can tell. The fruit of someone's life is an indication of what their theology produces. So a guy like Karl Marx, who never worked and wanted to have someone else subsidize his life, Darwinism was a perfect theology for him. We'll take from everyone that works and redistribute it for people who don't work. Because I'm a bum. And that's what the Bolsheviks did. And that's what redistribution of wealth does in most cases. It's their theology. Hitler's Nazi socialism, national Nazi socialism. In that original statement that he sent out to the churches, they had to sign off on that the Jews were materialistic and evil. That was about 1935. 
And they're all signed off on it, not really thinking what they're signing off on, but then when Jews are on trains going to death camps by 1940, 41, the church signed off on that. But not the confessing church, not Mueller and Bonhoeffer. Those guys are not part of that. So you can always tell by the fruit. What's the fruit of this person's life? Do we see humility? Do we see grace? Do we see love? Do we see brokenness? Do we see compassion and forgiveness? That's the fruit of Jesus Christ. That's the fruit we should see from those who are teachers of truth and those who are representatives of truth. But when we see pride and arrogance and taking and conniving and the winking of the eyes and the shuffling of the feet and the twisting of Scripture out of context and the manipulation and the control of people, that's not Jesus When the rich young ruler walked away from Jesus, Jesus was sad, but he didn't say, you better come back or else. He didn't manipulate the rich young ruler. He let himself determine what he's going to choose to do. When Jesus said, one thing you lack, go and sell all your goods and follow me. And he went away sad. He didn't didn't make him. See, Jesus, we talked about this last week, that self-determination that God allows us. In Revelation chapter 2, the first church there, the church of Ephesus, when Jesus is talking to him, he said, you got some good things, you got some other things, but one thing you do good is you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, and so do I. The Nicolaitans comes from the word Nicolaity, to rule over the congregation, those who manipulate and control. Beware of that. People who just love unconditionally, forgive, encourage, and build up and edify. Those are the people that represent Christ properly. We want to be those people. I want to be that person. Under construction, growth. There are so many Bible verses that warn in the New Testament of false prophets. But one key thing about false prophets before we move on is they deny Christ. In 1 John chapter 2, he says they did. the spirit of Antichrist is deny Christ. So that's a real spirit of uh, false prophecy in the end game before Christ comes, is to deny that Jesus is Christ. There's a lot of things they do. They have lying signs and wonders. They're covetous. They're self-willed. They're fleshy. They're carnal. They're presumptuous. That's enough of them. That's the broad way. You don't need me to tell you what the broad way looks like. You can see it everywhere when you walk outside these doors, whether it's religious or secular humanism. But you'll know them by their fruits. The Bible tells us to be careful who we follow, whose philosophies we follow, whose opinions we follow. The book of Proverbs is almost laid out completely for that, with wicked and righteousness. And it warns us about being in the assembly of the wicked. It tells us to choose our friends very wisely. And ideas are friends. Biblical ideas that are truth are good friends. Ungodly, worldly, secular, antichrist ideas are bad friends. And they both produce fruit. So choose good friends. Then the last thing we see is not everyone. So again, it starts out like enter the narrow gate. It's as happy as Hannah saying, Daddy, I received Jesus. And then it's like, beware of false prophets. Like, that's kind of like, that's not like happy feelings gone, right? Right? Happy feelings gone. And then it's like not everyone. So it's this last little exhortation. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. Not everyone. So this is interesting because... As best I can discern, you have descriptions of heaven in the Old Testament. Like Isaiah, I see the Lord high and lifted up, and the train of his robe fills the temple. Right, we've got some passages like that. But as far as an idea, like what's it going to be like to step into eternity and stand before Jesus, there's not that much that you get. 
I mean, the Holy Spirit through Paul says to be absent from the body is present with the Lord. Okay. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Okay. Our works will be tested by fire, whether it's wood, hay, stubble, or precious metals and jewelry. Okay. Ooh, you know, that's okay. But yeah, we, that gives us some ideas. Paul saw heaven in its glory. He said the third heaven, I can't describe it to you, not one word. Because the moment any intellectual thought comes forth describing something, or like a Chinese character, it will devalue the glory of what I saw and heard in heaven. So there's no human language that can capsulize the glory that Paul saw when he's caught up to heaven to be at the Lord. But Jesus, with red letters, twice tells us what to expect in heaven. Matthew 25 has the parable of the the talents where the five, the one who got five got ten, and he says, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your Lord. Then the one that had two got four, he says the exact same thing, the verses are identical, but then the third one buried their talent, and he said, oh, you're a rough man. And the context is a master going away and entrusting stuff. That's the context of the parable. Remember, a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. But Matthew 25, 13 is, ends with the, the, the ten virgins, so the five wise ones and the foolish ones keeping your lamp trimmed and burning, that's clearly second coming. And then after, I think it's verse 33 of 25, it goes to the separation of the sheep and the goats at the end of the age. So in that parable, the mind is in the talents where Jesus is describing what it will be like to stand before him, well done, good and faithful servant, or you're cast into outer darkness, which is what he says to the one who buried the mina. So either well done, good and faithful servant, or cast into outer darkness. We have to ask ourselves, is, is this something about heaven? Is this what to expect in heaven? I'd say yes, because the passage before this bookend is eternity in heaven, and the passage after is eternity in heaven. The whole chapter is eternity in heaven, and this is a parable, earthly story, heavenly meaning. And then we have this one. This is the, this is the other one. What, what can be expected in heaven? I remember years ago, John Corson, the pastor there in Applegate, Oregon, said, heaven's going to be surprising. You're going to be surprised who is there, who's not, and that you are. (laughs) I like that. (laughs) You're like, 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 wait, you're going to be surprised, like, who is there? Wow, who's not? Whoa. You know, and then, like, that you are, right? Like, that that, that was pretty cool. I like that. Well, here we know, Jesus says that people are going to say, Lord, Lord. People love to say, like, Jesus is Lord. Praise the Lord. Jesus is Lord. Like, oh, I know them. I'm their friend. And then, like, well, I don't, and all of a sudden, there they are. They're a famous person. Like, I don't really know them. I, was, I made it up. I don't really know them. Stop. Like, it'd be awkward, right? Like, oh, I know them. Like, well, hey, this is them right there. No, I don't, I don't really know them. I was, I was making it up. You'd be embarrassed to come before someone that you said you knew who's important. Like, like oh, I know Pastor Chuck Smith. And then uh, you say, let's go talk to my dad. Well, I, I actually don't know him. You know, like, you, it would be embarrassing. To say you know someone and like you're in an embarrassing situation, like, well, of course, you, you told me you know Pastor Chuck. You're like, I don't know Pastor Chuck, right? Like, that would be embarrassing. So we don't get out of this one. You can tell you, you can go through planet Earth for 80 years plus, go like, I know Jesus, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Lord. Hey, demon come out, dead rise, all this stuff, Jesus is Lord. And then you get into heaven. Jesus is saying, This is not me, this, is, this isn't Joey, this is Jesus. And he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, Hey, Jesus, it's me. Like, I don't. Not everyone. The the word is not. So we have enter, beware, and not are the lead words on these three different segments. Not everyone, he says. 
but who does the will of my Father in heaven? Now, earlier he said, your Father in heaven, our Father in heaven. Now he says, my Father in heaven. Did you catch that? As we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount? Our Father who art in heaven, your Father in heaven, your Father in heaven, your Heavenly Father. It's all that. Look, this is getting serious right here. This is the end of the Sermon on the Mount. He says, hey, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Whoa. We've got some different terminology working here now. This is more reverent. You know, my Father. I'm not talking about our Father or your Father. I'm talking about my Father. You do the will of my Father. Don't come into the house of my father saying, Lord, Lord, to me, you do the will of my father. So it's a doing. Many will say to me in that day, verse 22, Lord, Lord, we did this, we did that, we did this. These are religious things, right? These are religious things. Very religious to cast out demons, to prophesy. Oh, very religious, very spiritual. Do, do many wonders, very spiritual. But how about just do what God's word says? Everyone likes a light show and lava lamps. No one likes a towel of white feet and tears of brokenness. Everyone wants a show. If you want a cool pastor, they want a broken pastor. And pastors want to be cool, not broken. It's in us. We are under a death sentence. Our pride in our flesh under a death sentence. And we need to let God do that work in our lives, all of our lives. Because someday we're going to stand before the Lord. And we're going to say, Lord, Lord, and our works will be tested by fire. And we're in because we're in the Lamb's book of life, not in the books that are opened, which the Bible describes both. Books are open for unbelievers. Lamb's book of life for those who are saved through faith in Jesus. But as much as we want to hear the Lord say, because Billy Graham used to always say, what do you hope Jesus will say? You picture like Dan, rather. Well, Billy, what do you hope the Lord will say? I hope he'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter to the joy of your Lord. Billy Graham used to always say that, the great evangelist. And that's what we'd hope to hear him say, because that's Matthew 25. That's the good, the good one. But Jesus right here says that he's going to tell many, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Now, I looked up this word lawlessness because it's an important word to know, right? This is a key word in this, like, I don't normally go after the Greek, but this one's like, no, I need to really know this word. It just means that, to not obey the law. So to be lawless. So you think, okay, lawless, well, we just spent two years in God's law, right? Genesis to Deuteronomy. God's law is clearly revealed of right and wrong. The Ten Commandments is clearly revealed what is right and wrong. So God's law won't save us because we can't keep it to be saved, but it is still a standard of truth through what's right. So we know that, that we have that standard by which we are governed, governed by God's word and governed by his spirit, and we're not perfect, but we're in progress and we're, we're going forward. That's what we're trying to do. See, there's a whole world that doesn't want God governing them or his word governing them. So many people have tried to force any influence of God's word out of our society, which is the foundation of the greatness of our society. But no matter how much they might force out God's word of our society, make sure it's not forced out of our hearts and our lives. Because God's word is meant to govern us. So capsulized so well in 2 Timothy 3.16 that, that it's there. The word of God is there to guide us in instruction, in truth, in doctrine, in, in correction and reproof, that we can be thoroughly equipped for every good work. 
The Bible tells us in James chapter 2, as the body without the spirit is dead, so is faith without works. The works of obedience to the obvious things of God's word by his spirit working in and through us for his good pleasure and for his glory. So this last thing Jesus says here is a reminder to us to just keep our eyes on Jesus and to obey his word as it's clearly revealed, as best we know how, to be humble, to be pliable and teachable, and not fear that day, but to rejoice in that day, to make that a glorious day. So we enter by the narrow gate, who is Jesus and Jesus alone. We, are, we, we can check fruit to see what leaders, what their philosophies, what they produce, how they treat humanity, how it affects them, and we can separate the good tree from the bad tree, and we can stay on a good path. Or as it says in Psalm 1, to, to not stand in, the, in the, the counsel of the scornful, but to stand in the company of the righteous. Good friends. And then to make sure that we'll hear on that day, well done, good and faithful servant, because we really are sincerely trying to go forward and do the right things on a day-to-day basis, as best we know how, through faith in Jesus Christ. This is heaven's reality. This is the way to glory. You've been listening to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Brandt. If you would like more information about the ministry of Worship Generation, visit us online at www.worshipgeneration.com, where you can listen to the podcast of today's entire message. Worship Generation is located at 10350 Ellis Avenue in Fountain Valley, California. Our service times are Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. And also follow Pastor Joey on Instagram under the tag name at Joey Brand. Thanks for listening and God bless. Not ashamed of the gospel. Not ashamed, not ashamed of the one I love. Not ashamed, not ashamed.